Today we are observing the Day of Atonement. That's why I had Brother Dan read Leviticus chapter 16 to open the service with after our prayer. And as we read, it was a day in Old Covenant Israel that was dedicated to the forgiveness of sin. Contrary to popular opinion, it wasn't just a day that rolled sins forward. It wasn't just a type and a shadow of the forgiveness in the Messiah. But it was a day for Old Covenant Israel that actually forgave their sins. It cleansed all of the worshipers in Israel as it pertained to the flesh. And it allowed them to be able to enter into the earthly tabernacle or the earthly temple whereby they would be considered purified versus unclean or versus stained. In our day and age, today, thousands of years later, we no longer observe this day identically to the Old Covenant people. Um, There's many things that Brother Dan read in Leviticus 16 that we don't do today. The Levite priesthood is gone. The temple is gone. Old Jerusalem is gone. So things are different. And if we continue to read and we gain more revelation in Scripture, we find that Yeshua is our high priest after the order of Melchizedek a greater priesthood than the order of Aaron. We find that our tabernacle is in heaven. And we find that our mother Jerusalem is in heaven. And one day she will come down like a bride adorned for her husband. I believe that Yeshua on all of the festivals has certain ministrative duties that He does in the heavenly tabernacle. And I don't claim to understand all of that But as I said in my last Sabbath sermon, I don't believe that He's just up there sitting at the right hand of the Father. I believe He is performing whatever priestly duties, priesthood duties that Yahweh would have Him perform in the heavenly tabernacle and especially so at these appointed times. These are special times when Yahweh comes and visits us. Somebody says, Brother Matthew, can we not pray to Yahweh every day? Can we not be close to Him every day? You can. You can. But He gives us special appointments. It's like if you make up a doctor's appointment with your doctor and you go there at that particular time. It's a special appointment. Yahweh gives us special appointments whereby we, we come to meet Him at these times. And uh, we meditate on what He's done for us in particular in regards to these times. We thank Him for what He's done. And today we concentrate on the forgiveness of sins. Hebrews 9. I'd like to read this text, Hebrews 9, 11-14. Follow along with me in your Bible. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation, which I think brings it out very clearly. Hebrews 9, 11-14 says this, So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered the greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands, and is not part of this created world. With His own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, He entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds 
so that we can worship the living Almighty. For by the power of the eternal Spirit, the Messiah offered Himself to the Almighty as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Hebrews 9, 11-14. What we see here is an argument from the lesser to the greater. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer, those were good things. Those were not bad things. We should never look upon anything that Yahweh commands or instructs His people to do as something bad. It's always something good. But the blood of the Messiah is better. It cleanses not just our flesh, but it cleanses our conscience. And the text tells us that it secures for us eternal redemption. Christ entered the tabernacle in heaven with His blood. Hebrews 9 tells us. So the contrast is not Old Covenant is bad, New Covenant is good. Old Covenant, let's put it to the side. New Covenant, it's always been what we need. That's really not the contrast. The contrast is everything that Yahweh did for Old Covenant Israel was good. The Old Covenant was good. The New Covenant is superior. It's better. I've given this illustration a lot and I'll repeat it like Brother TJ says You've slept since the last time I gave it. But I used to tell all my children when they were little because you try to get down on their level and I would tell them that Dad likes a lot of different kinds of ice cream. Uh, I like chocolate ice cream. Rosalind, I love chocolate ice cream. But I really like vanilla. Brother Matthew likes vanilla. So I would tell the children, if you get Dad some ice cream, chocolate is good, but vanilla is better. So I'm not saying that chocolate is bad. And that's just a, like an illustration for little children. The Old Covenant was great. It was good. The New Covenant is better. Better promises, better priest, better temple, better tabernacle, better Jerusalem, and all of those things. So my quick point to begin this sermon is that we don't do things today exactly like they were done in the Old Covenant. But we're still here today on the Day of Atonement. It is a Sabbath day, the Scripture teaches. A day of no work at all. And it is a day where we are called to afflict our souls. King James Version calls it the affliction of the soul. Home and Christian Standard calls it self-denial. I like that, self-denial. Practice self-denial. Those things we can still do. We can still observe the day as a Sabbath day. We can still practice self-denial. We can still concentrate on repentance, penitence, mourning for sin, be thankful for forgiveness. We can do all of those things, and I believe that we should do all of those things in obedience to our Creator, number one, And number two, because us believers, all of us, still struggle with sin. Surely I'm not the only one in here that struggles with sin. All of us do. I've always thought that it was strange how some people think that observing the Day of Atonement is a denial of the Messiah. Early on in my Torah observant life, I had a lot of people tell me that. They would find out, wow, you're observing the Day of Atonement. You must not believe in in the Messiah. You must not believe in Christ. I always found that strange. You know, I guess that there are some Jewish people who observe this day, and they may do it as a denial of the work of Yeshua. But that's not definitely not me, and that's not us here as a congregation. We observe this day in complete and full acceptance of the Messiah. We just recognize that we're not yet perfect. We're not yet glorified. We're not yet sinless. We still need atonement. 
Everyone here still struggles with some kind of sin. Whether big or small, whether known or unknown, whether in deed or in thought. Everyone in here struggles with some kind of sin. I recently preached through the Ten Commandments, and I remember as I was going through each of the Ten Commandments, I thought about this today. When I would study and prepare to teach those commandments, I never thought, man, after I got through studying, don't have to worry about this one. I've got this one down. And remember, when I would go through those commandments, you'd hit the highlight, and somebody would think, well, I don't really have to worry about that commandment because I've got that one pretty much you know, in my belt loop here. And then you would get into the statutes of the commandment and you'd start talking about what the commandment entailed and what the commandment meant. And I start seeing some of you people, your eyes would start getting big or you shake your head and you think, man. And, but that's what the law of Yahweh is supposed to do. When the law of Yahweh is taught properly, it's supposed to convict. It's supposed to rebuke and cause His people to be sorrowful and repent over their sin. And so I would say something like, when I would study about the commandments, I would say, have mercy upon me, Yahweh, a sinner. And I would think about the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, where the Pharisee prayed one way to himself, but the tax collector wouldn't lift his eyes to heaven, and he would just say, have mercy upon me, O mighty one, for I am a sinner. And Yeshua said that was the man that went home justified rather than the Pharisee. For everyone that exalts himself shall be brought low. But all those that put themselves down low will be exalted. So you're going to be put down low either way. So we might as well go ahead and do it ourselves. <laughs> go ahead and lower ourselves, not think highly of ourselves. Lower ourselves and let Yahweh exalt us in His time. In His time. So I would study these commandments and I would see myself as a transgressor. Not a transgressor. Get this now. This took me a lot of years to get. And I read the Bible and I study a lot. This is a simple point, but it took me a lot of years to understand that I am a sinner, not in the sense of that's what I want to do or that's what I practice. You know, I believe that if you if you spent a week with me, we'll spend a week together at the Feast of Tabernacles, you'll see a person that desires to obey Yahweh's law. You won't see a perfect man. You won't see a perfect preacher. There's no such thing as a perfect preacher. But you'll see a man that desires to keep Yahweh's law. But even in the midst of that, I still have problems. And you know, I want you guys to know that. You should never consider, when you, when you come to a congregation, you should never look at the minister as though they're flawless. The minister should never be Yeshua. You know, Yeshua is the head of the congregation. Nobody else can be the head. You always put him in that position. Nobody else can be the head. So he's the head. But what you, what you should do is you should look at, at the minister as, as someone that is human, just like you are, that struggles just like you, that you can come and talk to to me about something, and I'm not going to think, well, I don't want to be around you. I'm going to welcome you with open arms, and I'm going to love you right where you're at, because Yahweh loves me where I'm at, <laughs> and I'm not yet as I should be. So that's what you should look at. And we have, we have a high priest in, in Yeshua now, that we can have full and total confidence in. Who Hebrews 4.15 tells us that He was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin, never transgressed. So we can come boldly to the throne of Yahweh and we can put our confidence and our faith in the Messiah 
Because He is sinless. He is perfect. He did fulfill all the requirements of the law that were for Him. So I practice obedience to the law. That's my goal. That's my lifestyle. But every day I still fall short from perfection in Yahweh's law. Some days are better than others. Some days are worse than others. But I still say, Yahweh, forgive me. At the end of the day, Yahweh, forgive me. Even if I don't realize something that I may have done, please forgive me for even my hidden faults. Brothers and sisters, that's why today is so relevant. I don't understand how somebody could think it's not relevant because once we come to the Father through the Messiah, we don't all of a sudden stop confessing our sins. It's not like we have an experience here on earth where we just push the stop button and we quit sinning. That will be great. One day, praise Yahweh, it will be like that in the final kingdom. But it's not like that now. We still struggle with sin. We have days where we do better, but we have days where we don't do so good. And we ask Yahweh to forgive us every day. That's why it's so important that we understand confession to be a daily part of our lives. When we think about praying, teach us to pray, or have we prayed lately, our mind immediately usually goes to prayer requests. Let's, let's gather up the prayer requests and let's make our requests known to Yahweh. And that's not wrong. But prayer should not just be about what do I need Yahweh to do for me? What do I need Yahweh to do for my family? That shouldn't be where, definitely shouldn't be where prayer starts and probably shouldn't be where it ends either. It should be in the middle. But our prayers should start by confession of sin. Confessing our sin. You know the areas in your life that you struggle with the most and Yahweh knows. So when you kneel down to pray at home or when you pray here in the congregation, confess your sin to Yahweh. Just be open and honest with Him. He already knows where you're at. Just tell Him, Father, I've really struggled with this lately. Please forgive me and help me. Please forgive me. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, that sounds a little conditional. What about if we don't confess our sins? What about if we get to a point where we think everything's just hunky-dory in the law, we're moving along fine, we're feeling pretty good about ourselves? The odds are if you have that kind of mentality, you probably really need to confess your sin. <laughs> you hadn't confessed in a while. That cleansing in 1 John 1.9 is a process. That writing of the law on your heart doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. Cleansing is a process. Sanctification is a process. Whereby... However long Yahweh lets us tarry on earth, if we're a genuine believer, we'll grow in our sanctification until the day that we die. But even then, we still won't be fully sanctified until we receive that glorified, immortal, sinless, new body. Heavenly body. Celestial body. So you are, don't get me wrong, you are clean in Christ now. Positionally, you're clean in Christ but clean in Christ means forgiven in Christ. <laughs> Not sinless for the rest of your earthly life. When I tell somebody you're forgiven in Christ or you're clean in Christ, that doesn't mean that you aren't going to sin when you leave this building tonight. doesn't mean that tomorrow you're not going to have a chance of slipping up. This is what the Day of Atonement is all about. This is what Yeshua is all about. It's very relevant. If we were sinless after coming to Christ, we would not have the admonition in 1 John to confess our sins. And let Him be faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But we have that admonition. 
Yeshua taught us to pray like this. Give us this day our daily bread. Stands for food, for sustenance. And forgive us our debts, trespasses, transgressions, as we forgive our debtors, those who transgress against us. There's a whole message in that. And I think that there's a correlation that Yahweh forgives us to the capacity that we forgive those who sin against us. I think that's the correlation there. Because he goes on to say, if we don't forgive men their trespasses against us, neither will our Heavenly Father forgive us of our trespasses against Him. So we ought to be a forgiving people. And if you ever come to grips with how sinful you are and how much Yahweh has forgiven you, you won't find it as difficult to hand out mercy to people when they seek forgiveness. There's no strangers in the house of mercy, brothers and sisters. When somebody comes seeking Yahweh's mercy and they're penitent, there's no strangers here. Yahweh accepts us all. We never get to a point in this life where daily confession is not needed. We will always have something to confess until we are in glory. There will always be more that needs to be written on our heart until we receive the new, incorruptible body. How can we, though, practice discipline and self-denial and humility so that we draw closer to Yahweh in obedience to His commandments? You know, the Bible does say if we draw nigh to Yahweh, He will draw nigh to us. How do we do that? Well, I believe that the best way to do that, the best way, is to fast. The Hebrew word for fast means to cover over the mouth. It has to do with refraining at least from eating and at most from eating and drinking. If you remember when Moses fasted, when he got the Ten Commandments and he was there with Yahweh, he didn't eat bread nor drink water for 40 days and 40 nights. It's extremely supernatural there. I think for most people, fasting is something that has been done away with. Even for those in the Torah observance circles, the Day of Atonement rolls around and I find it so funny. It's not funny. You catch what I'm saying, but I just find it strange that people that say that they observe the law and they live for Yahweh, Day of Atonement rolls around and you'll hear people talk about or post about having to fast like it's something that they don't normally do. Well, the Day of Atonement's back around. I've got to make sure to eat a big meal before I fast this day. And in my mind, I'm scratching my head and I'm thinking, is this last Day of Atonement the last time you fasted? If it is, it should not be. You should have a lifestyle that is disciplined in fasting so that you draw closer to Yahweh. Is your flesh already so disciplined against sin that you only need one day a year to fast? I do believe that fasting has always been the number one way to afflict a human soul or to practice self-denial. In the book of Ezra, chapter 8, verse 21, it says that Ezra proclaimed a fast in order for the people to afflict their souls before the Almighty. In Psalm 35 and 13, David said he humbled himself with fasting. And that word humbled in Hebrew is anah. It's the exact same word as afflict. In Leviticus 16, Leviticus 23 for the Day of Atonement, exact same word. He afflicted himself with fasting. And he said, my prayer returned to my chest or to my bosom. You can pray to Yahweh and you should. You can read the Scriptures and you should. You can study and meditate on the law of Yahweh and be obedient and you should. But none of those things should take the place of fasting. 
Fasting is the primary way to keep our body under subjection. Going without food and or water denies the flesh more than anything else. The most common thing we all do and we expect to do every day is eat. What are we going to eat? Sometimes we sit in church and we think, where are we going to go out to eat after church is over? I know a lot of people are thinking that right now, right? <laughs> Fasting is the number one way that you can practice self-denial. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 16-18, through 18, Yeshua says this, And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, and then no one will notice that you are fasting, except your Father, who knows what you do in private. And your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Now, I could teach a whole lesson on those verses, but the point that I want to pull out of those right now in Matthew 6, 16-18, is a point that my old youth pastor told me a long time ago. And he said that Christ told us, when you fast not if you fast. It wasn't something that was optional. It was something that He took for granted that His disciples were going to do. And when you do it, do it like this. Let me give you a little sampling in the New Testament about fasting. Yeshua said in Matthew 17, verse 21, that there are certain demons that cannot be defeated except by prayer and fasting. In Acts chapter 10, when Cornelius was visited by the angel that told him there's somebody that's going to preach to you about the gospel, Cornelius had been fasting. In 1 Corinthians 7, Paul speaks of a husband and wife taking time apart intimately in order to devote themselves to prayer and to fasting. In Acts chapter 14, when Paul ordained the elders, they prayed and they fasted over those elders. That's just a sampling, a quick sampling of the New Testament texts that mention fasting. And all throughout the Old Testament, there are texts that speak of people fasting in order to draw closer to the Creator or when they were looking for an answer or help from the Creator. One of the primary ways that people on earth could get the attention of Almighty Yahweh is to say, I'm going to push back the plate, I'm going to push back the water, I'm going to deny myself, and I'm going to use that time to pray and to seek Yahweh and get His attention. And Yahweh always showed up. There was 21 days when Daniel fasted. Daniel got serious with Yahweh. And Yahweh said, from the time that you set your heart to do this, I took notice. And now I have sent my messenger angel, Gabriel, to you to comfort you. I think that's in Daniel chapter 10. Fasting was part of the spiritual discipline of the followers of Yeshua in the first century, especially after He went to heaven to be with the Father. They practiced fasting. And it should still be part of our spiritual discipline now. A disciplined life of both prayer and fasting helps to keep our sinful nature from taking over. If you say, well, Brother Matthew, I've been struggling and I'm having a problem and I can't seem to... To cut it, I can't seem to to fix it. How much have you prayed? How much have you fasted? So I'm talking about serious prayer, serious fasting. Martin Luther, the founder, the originator of what we call the Lutheran Church, I don't agree with him on everything, but he has a great quote, and I like to talk about it when I talk about prayer. Martin Luther once said, I have so much to do today that I think I'll first spend three hours in prayer. 
In other words, I need to communicate with the Father first, seriously, so that everything else goes properly. And I have found in my own life, when I've gotten out of a lifestyle of prayer, I've found that sometimes it's difficult to get back into a lifestyle of prayer. But you sit there and you discipline yourself and you pray and you pray and you pray and you confess your sin one after another and you thank Yahweh. And we've all got so many things to thank Him for. So many things to thank Him for. And then we make our request known to Him and you pray until you get back into that, that mode or that lifestyle Prayer and fasting keeps the old person buried and it lets, lets the new person walk around in abundant life. Brother Arnold said not long ago in one of our services, he said something like this, I don't believe a person who fasts will backslide. You'll stop fasting first and then you'll backslide. No words could ever be more true. I guarantee you that if a person is disciplined in both your prayer life and your fasting life, you will be a spiritual person. You will be one of those people that the carnal-minded folks see coming and they don't want to see you because you've been praying too much and you've been fasting too much. I don't want to talk to that guy. He's too spiritual. Let me go talk to the carnal people. How often should I fast, Brother Matthew? Well, that's between you and Yahweh, but I guarantee you it should be more than just one day a year. You're not spiritual enough to just fast one day a year. Not yet, brothers and sisters, and neither am I. And then go with 364 and come back around and say, oh, time to fast again. Shouldn't be that way. Let me give you an example here from an old Christian teaching manual that dates back to around the first century A.D. We call it the Didache. And the word Didache means teaching or instruction. This was a handbook for Gentile Christians and it contains in it the practices and the disciplines of early Christians. It is not law. It is not Yahweh's law, so it is not infallible. But it is historical and it does give us some insight to how certain Christians lived their lives early on. And it is an excellent book. I would recommend everybody read it. Well, in chapter 8 of the Didache, we read this. It says this, quote, But let not your fasts be with the hypocrites, for they fast on the second and fifth day of the week, rather fast on the fourth day and the preparation. End of quote. Preparation means the sixth day of the week. Preparation for the Sabbath. Now, I assume in reading this that the hypocrites are the scribes and Pharisees that Yeshua rebuked and condemned in His ministry, but I'm not sure about this. The point, though, is that this early Christian manual shows that the Christians, just like the scribes and Pharisees, would fast two days a week, namely the fourth day of the week and the preparation day. Now, I'm not saying that fasting like this is a commandment, but I am saying that it is an excellent practice to live by. And I guarantee you, your spirituality will be more disciplined the more that you fast and the more that you pray. We should not just wait for the Day of Atonement to roll around before we even begin to think about fasting. When we fast, we deny ourselves. We fast in order to devote more time and prayer and repentance and more time. Catch this. This is something a lot of people miss. And Isaiah 58 talks about this. We fast in order to devote more time to helping the poor. When we fast, use the money that you would normally spend on food for that day and give it to the poor, the widow, or the orphan. Isaiah 58 talks about this. He says there were some people that were fasting, but they were neglecting a whole lot of other things. Kind of like I talked about where some people keep the feast, but they neglect a whole lot of other things. We need to do all of it, right? 
So use that money that you would spend on that on that food. Let's say you spend you know twenty dollars that day, or fifty dollars that day, or a hundred dollars that day for your family, or what have you. Use that money and find somebody who is poor, or a widow. The Bible speaks highly of widows and orphans, the fatherless, and give it to them. I'm not going to use this money for food today. I'm going to bless those who who need it. And if you go for two or three days, do the same thing. When we fast, we break free from the chains of the flesh. When we fast, we give the Spirit of Yahweh an entrance rather than demonic forces. Today we have fasted in honor of the Day of Atonement, really in honor of Yahweh and His appointed time. We need forgiveness. We still all struggle with sin. We afflict our souls today to remind us of that, that we're not perfect, that we're not sinless. And at the same time, in doing so, we thank Yahweh for what He has accomplished in and through Yeshua, His Son. My brothers and sisters, let's fast more often than one day a year. Many early Christians fasted two days a week. I think that we could all give Yahweh one day a week. If you're not able to do it all at one time, if you want to start off with baby steps, fast one meal a day and then two meals that day and then build up to where you got a whole day under your belt for that week and devote that day to more prayer to helping the poor, to being disciplined, disciplined in prayer, disciplined in the reading of the Word. People have told me before, I don't feel very spiritual, Brother Matthew, and I don't mean to be mean or rude when I say this, but I always start by saying, well, how much of your time have you been given to Yahweh? If you don't fill up the gas station, your car will eventually run out of gas. You can't expect to drive for months and months and months on one tank. You've got to go back and fill up again. If I'm not feeling spiritual, and sometimes that happens, and if I'm not feeling spiritual, I check myself. Have you prayed? Have you fasted? How much have you been in the Word? Have you helped the poor and the needy? What have you been doing for me? Or have you just been kind of going with the flow and forgetting about all these things that you should be doing? My son. And every time I check myself, I find that it's time to repent. And draw closer to Yahweh. And you know what? When I draw closer to Yahweh and I pray more and I fast more and I'm looking for a poor person to bless and I'm loving my neighbor more, I feel closer to Yahweh. You know why? Because I am closer to Yahweh. <laughs> it's very important. May we give time to these spiritual disciplines in order to be stronger men and women of the Most High.